Our Father in heaven, um, you are so good to us. And Lord, there are so many ways where we doubt and we fear. Um, and there's so many things that try to hold us back. But Lord, you are excellent. And you say that you give us everything we need. And so Lord, help us to be confident as we deliver this. Help uh, everyone to hear what they need to hear in order to grow in you and grow in their relationships with each other. Um, but we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So you are here at a lesson about turning the tide against insecurity. Um, we are, uh, my name is Adam Farnsworth. I'm a campus minister in Tallahassee. I'm Crystal Farnsworth, his wife. Yeah, we do. So we do campus ministry together in Tallahassee, FSU, FAMU, TC, represent. So uh, typically what they do is they assign us our areas of expertise. And so my last couple of classes have been on being an introvert in an extroverted ministry world and uh, insecurity. So those are my areas of expertise. Um, I did not think of myself at any point um, in my life until going into ministry as being someone who would be like the front man or be, or be the, like the guy who had to, who everyone looked to for the answers. Like that was a, that was never something that I even considered. I love being in the background. I don't need a ton of praise. I don't need a ton of attention. I would much rather be not this. Like I would much rather be in the background um, and just providing support. And yet God called me into this role. And so um, insecurity is something that I've become well acquainted with. So this is my very first time ever speaking in front of this many people, and so I'm really nervous. That helps, that helps. <laughs> um, and so... They got better. They got, they got you guys beat, I'm sorry. They got you guys beat. <laughs> okay. So... It was the end of our Cocoa Beach retreat in Florida back in, what, September? September. And um, we were just leaving the room. We are about to go to the car and go back to Tallahassee. And Julie Dillon was like, hey, I heard you and Adam are teaching at Family Vacation. And I was like, say what? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, let me look it up. And so she looked it up. And she was like, yeah, see, it says right here, Adam and Crystal Farnsworth. And I'm like. Oh my gosh. And I was like, my heart was pounding. I was crying. I was so upset and like scared. But, <laughs> but I know behind that was um, Mama Carol. And I'm sure that she saw something in me and decided, you can do this. And so I just, I decided that as I prayed about it and grew in my confidence that I could get up here and do this. Um, and so I think it's more important to face our fears and trust in God rather than to retreat back into our comfort. And um, plus, how can I encourage anybody to overcome the things that they're afraid of if I can't even get up here and, and share what I have to say? So. Yeah, absolutely. So one of our students shared a video that I think is going to really kind of set the tone for what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to play that real quick and then we'll... Uh... pizza guy showing up at your hotel room tonight and he's got your pizza can you, can you imagine ordering a pizza and the pizza guy showing up at your hotel room tonight and he's got your pizza but he doesn't have a box he's just got it in his hand 
and the cheese is oozing down all over his clothes and it's falling all over the floor and you don't know where that hand has been. You don't know what he's been doing with that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, and can you imagine... You know the first question you would ask him if he was standing there saying, hi, did you order this pepperoni pizza? The first question you would ask is, where is the box? Because I was expecting the product to come in a vessel. I was expecting the product to come in a box. Well, what I want you to understand is this box is only worth 39 cents. It's not very valuable. It's just, but it takes on a tremendous importance and value because of what is placed in it. I want you to understand. Listen to me. The box does not give value to the product. It's the product that gives value to the box. We're just the vessel and Christ is in us and we shouldn't get puffed up when God starts using us. We're just the 39 cent box. What I'm preaching to you is you don't have to be great. You don't have to be super good looking and look like a movie star. You don't have to be super talented, but you do have to be clean and you have to be empty. And if you'll just be clean and be empty, God says, if you'll give me a vessel, I'll give you a miracle. I'll give you my oil. I'll give you my purpose i'll give you my wheel for your life you can have god's wheel all right so um, i love that and and you know really insecurity when we're talking about it at its root is is a lack of trust in god it's saying that um that i feel like i need to be enough i need to be secure in, in my strength and what i can do and and especially in comparison to what others can do and god has assured us that he sees value in us and there's nothing more he can do to prove that there's no further, he, can, he has gone as, literally as far as he can to show us our value in his eyes. And so when we deal with insecurity, really, um, that's what we're struggling with, is a, a struggle to, to believe that. Um, so we're going to be walking through the story of Gideon, who was an insecure man. Um, and so if you guys want to follow along, we're going to be paraphrasing a lot of it, but it's in Judges 6 through 8. Um, so if you guys want to open up your Bibles, that's what we're going to be working through. Um, Gideon was a judge over Israel. And, you know, when we picture a judge, we think of this guy, you know, with the gavel at the bench and rendering verdicts. And really that wasn't the kind of judge that Gideon was. Gideon was more like a prophet. He was a leader. Um, and and um, his people, the Israelites, were under attack by these foreign invaders. They were coming in and, and, um, and we're going to talk about Gideon. And his life really goes through three phases. Gideon was afraid and then he was doubtful and then he was free. And so that's what we're going to be walking through with Gideon. Um, and, and God did turn the, the tide of insecurity in Gideon. But when we first meet Gideon, Gideon was afraid. See, these guys are coming in and they're raiding and they're, they're pillaging and they're doing all these things. And so Gideon, his job was to thresh wheat. And if you guys don't know what threshing wheat is, you've got, you gather all this wheat, right? And, and along with the wheat that you're gathering, you get all this chaff, which is just junk. It's, it's dust and all these different things. And the wheat is heavier than the impurities. It's heavier than the rest of it. And so what you would do is you would get a pitchfork and you'd have this, this pile of just wheat and junk. 
and then you would throw it up in the air with a pitchfork and the wind would come and it would blow all the junk away and you'd be left with what was valuable underneath. The, the wheat was heavier and it would fall to the ground and all the junk would, would blow away in the wind. But the problem is that Gideon is afraid and to have wind, you've got to be out in the open and Gideon doesn't want to be spotted. And so Gideon is in a wine press, which is sunk into the ground. There's no wind, it's a pit. And so he's throwing this wheat and chaff up and instead of the chaff blowing away, it's just in his face. Like he's choking on this stuff, right? He's so afraid that instead of doing it where it makes sense, he's hiding in this pit, trying to do something that requires wind and just choking on all the mess, choking on the impurities. He's accomplishing nothing because at the bottom of his pile and the bottom of this pit is the same junk along with the wheat, right? He hasn't accomplished anything. And I think it's such a perfect picture of insecurity. We, we, we sit there and we thresh our wheat in our hiding holes, you know, in our pits, and nothing gets accomplished. You know, I, I have public speaking, my goodness, like I'm a lot more comfortable with it now, but my first couple times, it was so scary. Like these guys are laughing because they know all the stories. I'm not going to go through them all. I've had some really embarrassing times. My first time preaching at my church when I first got my job, I really, I mean, honestly, I'm not kidding. I thought about how bad would I have to hurt myself? Like, what kind of fall could I take that would excuse me from going up here this Sunday morning and not look unrealistic, like, but not seriously injure myself? But like, what could I do to prevent this from going on? I mean, I really, um, it worries me. I, I am acquainted with insecurity. And we, we do this, right? Like, when you've got a ton of work to do, right? You know, you've got so much to do by a certain time. What do we do? We watch Netflix because we're worried about how much we have to do. It doesn't get anything done, but we're insecure about getting it done. And so we, we put it off when we're um, afraid of uh, having a really hard talk and ruining our relationship with someone. What do we do? We avoid them and we ruin the relationship because we're so afraid of having that hard talk. When, we, uh, when we're, we're feeling shame and we're afraid that if we open up, people will reject us. We isolate ourselves and we don't even give them the chance to reject us. Our insecurities lead us to, to be left in the same pile of junk that we were to begin with. Right? That's where our insecurities leave us. It's backward and it's counterproductive and it's exactly what I look like when I'm dealing with my insecurities. And, and yet, and this is what's so beautiful, God takes this man who is choking on the dust in the wine press, hiding from his enemies, and that's the guy he sends an angel to. And the angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This guy hiding in a pit to thresh his wheat the angel comes and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And one of the coolest things about God is he has this habit of giving us names before we've earned them. Romans 4.17 says, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God. He's talking about Abraham in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as if they were. You know, you look at Abraham and he's Abram and he's called Abraham, the father of many before he has Isaac. You know, you look at Simon and he's called Peter, the rock before he was anything but steady, you know, when he was anything but steady. And he goes to Gideon, this guy who's paralyzed by fear. And he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon in his insecurity still can't see it. He's got an angel of the Lord coming before him, calling him a mighty warrior. And he says, if you're really with us, why didn't you save us from these guys? Right? Like, why are you letting this happen to us? And that's what we do with our insecurities. We're like, man, if, if you're with me, why am I having to do these things that are so uncomfortable? And, and why are you putting these positions where I'm so scared and I'm so overwhelmed? And the angel says, am I not sending you? 
you're the one you're waiting for. We are the potential wonders of our time. These, you know, Gideon says, where's the pillar of fire and smoke? And where's the Red Sea being parted? And where's the mighty prophet that you're sending? And he said, I'm sending you. We're the wonders. We're the ones that, that we're waiting for. You know, when, when uh, we were in the crystal, I came up in Lennon Carroll's ministry in Tampa. And we had this event that a lot of youth in, in college ministries have done back when media was held on physical things. Now it's all in the cloud and stuff. But, um, but we used to have these things called CDs, right? <laughs> we kept our, our movies and our music on them. And, uh, and some of us had some, some uh, movies and some music that weren't so savory, that weren't so great, that weren't great influences. We were talking about what you let into your heart. And so we had this, this bonfire, this ceremonial bonfire, and we threw all our you know, explicit music and, and bad movies in there. And, and Crystal had to work. And she didn't intentionally, to her credit, she didn't intentionally avoid it. Um, but she missed it, and then she didn't have her own bonfire later. She just kind of kept held on to him, and, um, and it wasn't anything nefarious. She just, you know, didn't come up. Well, a couple months later, God decides he's going to have his own bonfire, and Crystal's car ignited randomly in the church parking lot, and it blazed, <laughs> I mean, 20 feet in the air. We've got flames completely consumed everything inside that wasn't made of metal. I mean, it was like a, it was crazy. We watched it go down. It was the craziest thing, and uh the only thing in her car was her CD collection. <laughs> so uh, it's like, okay, um, so God's going to get his. But the, the point is, <laughs> the point is that God's will is going to be done. And if we can wait and hide in our insecurities, we can hide in the wine press. We can do what we want to try to avoid it. But God's will is going to be done and we can choose. We have to choose. Are we going to be a part of it or are we going to hide from it? And God would much rather you be a part of it. We get the chance. Um, you know, they've done all these studies that show that, um, you know, in a busy city, you know, if they stage like a mugging, you know, or something going down, the more people that pass by that event and don't do anything, the less likely you are to do anything. Right? Like we are so influenced by what's going on around us. We are so influenced. And, and it's awkward. You're like, you see something crazy going down and no one else is doing anything. You're like, I guess it's okay. Right? Like everything in you should be screaming, I need to do something. But the more people that pass by, just like, I guess this is normal. And, and we've been stuck as a church in insecurity for so long. And there's so many people passing by the hurt and the pain of the people around us. And we just shrug and say, I, I guess it's normal. And we, we hide in our insecurities in that way. Um, Crystal, why don't you go ahead and share some ways that insecurity affects us? Um, insecurity is what happens when we fail to trust. We lack confidence. As Christians, we fail to trust when we take our eyes off the Lord and begin trusting our heart rather than trusting the strength and confidence that comes only from our Lord. So let's look at insecurity from three different angles. Um, the first one is we get distracted with ourselves. When we're insecure, we, come, we become distracted with self, and that distracts us from doing what God made us to do. When we are so aware of ourselves physically, mentally, um, emotionally, it does not allow us to put others first. So say um, I'm at cross chat and I'm feeling shy. Um, I don't know. I got my own things going on. Um, I'm not going to have eyes to look for people who may be hurting as well. And I'm not going to go up to them and, and see how they're doing because I'm so focused on myself. Um, Philippians 2.3 says, when you do things... Do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. The second thing is we become dissatisfied with God. Insecurity also leads us to be dissatisfied with God, although most of us would never actually say that out loud. 
We are never satisfied with having what God has given us. We always want more, more, more. Choosing to remain insecure is a sin because we are insulting God's wisdom and what he chose to provide for us. It is so easy to become jealous of other people's gifts. God has gifted us each in specific ways, and we completely overlook our own gifts when we're complaining about what we don't have. I thought to myself, oh, why can't I sing like this girl? Or, wow, she prays really well. I wish I could do that. Um, so we're sitting there complaining about what we don't have, and the whole time God is looking at me specifically saying, well, you have the gift of hospitality, so you know, why are you so worried about being upset that you can't <clears throat> sing or pray awesome like these other people because maybe they don't have the gift of hospitality um, the way that you do. And Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And the third thing is, we seek approval from other people. Insecurity shows us that we look to people to give us approval instead of looking to God. When our security is wrapped up in people, we are looking to see how many people like our, our posts on Facebook. We depend on a boyfriend or girlfriend. We become easily jealous when our best friend gets another friend. We completely lose sight of what God's love is, it, that God's love is what makes us worthy. If our worth is based on other people's opinions, we won't be able to share what God would have us say. We might share and gossip instead of defending someone or have a couple more drinks at a party so we don't look lame. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Right on. So, so Gideon started out afraid, and, and we start out afraid in our journey with God, and, and wondering and, and so aware of, of what other people can do that we can't, and, um, and what we feel we can. And, and Gideon initially conquers his fears. He goes and he burns down his family's idols that they've been worshiping, um, and he, he gathers his people to confront the, the guys who've been invading, and um, and the problem that we come to is, is we have these moments, and maybe you're experiencing this now, I don't know, but um, it happens a lot at retreats, it happens a lot when you hear a convicting sermon. You have this moment, this thing that you've been afraid of, and you say, you have this realization, I could tackle this, like I could do this. You know, look how scared they were and they did it. You know, look what they overcame, I can do that. And we have these moments of conviction, we get so excited, and what happens is you go home, and then you do that initial step, right? And then... And then insecurity creeps back in because it's not over yet, like you haven't won the battle. And so God calls you to grow in that because he's not just going to leave you at that initial point of conviction. He's going to ask you to carry on and grow strong. And so Gideon has this, this moment of conviction. He gathers everyone. He's like, let's get them. And then he's like, are you sure you're with me? <laughs> Let me make absolutely sure that you're with me because it's so vital that Gideon moves on from here. And, you know, in a war, you know, when, you're, when you gain some ground, you know, if you just say, yeah, we won, and you go back home, nothing was won. You know, if we have this moment of conviction, say you, you get so excited and you're like, you know, I'm going to be bold, and you, you go and you, um, you know, you enroll in some, uh, like uh, uh, Clint was sharing, like one time he, he did an improv class so that he could meet people. You know, you get so excited and you sign up for the improv class, and then you never go, right? Like, what was gained? <laughs> That moment of conviction didn't go anywhere. And so these doubts start creeping into Gideon. He's like, oh, man, like, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, there's a lot of them, and they're scary. I don't know. So Gideon comes up with these tests, and he says, God, don't be mad at me, but I'm going to lay this fleece out, 
And in the morning, I need the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry, right? When the dew comes. And then he says, he does that and that should be enough. And Kenny's like, okay, don't smite me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> can we do it the other way around, right? Can, we, can the ground be wet and the fleece be dry? And, and God does that. And we look at that and we're like, man, like, why did he need, he's had an angel from heaven, right? And he's, he's been protected from his family when he burned down the idols. He had one test. Why does he need another test? And it's like, man, why did he doubt so much? But on the other hand, I think what's cool about Gideon is once he is convinced that God is with him, I think he would have charged in alone against the Midianites. I mean, he was so bold after that. And I want to be like that. I want to, you know, we don't always have that sign. We're not always going to have that visible reassurance. Um, but God has reassured us. And, and, and he does say he'll be with us. And I want to be like that where I'm ready to charge in once I get that reassurance. And so what we find is that once we go on and we say, okay, I'm in, you know, I'm going to do the hard thing. I'm going to, I'm going to confront this fear of mine. It doesn't get easier after that, right? Like it, you know, when I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to preach. I mean, I'm not going to like hurt my leg. I'm not going like, to you know, spill anything on myself. Like I'm just going to, I'm just going to go and I'm going to do this thing. And then I get up there and it's still a lot of people. It's still really scary. And I still felt like I completely bombed it because God is not going to make it easy for you. And there's a reason for that. And we're going to go into that in a minute. But God doesn't make it easy on Gideon. He says, I'm going to, you have too many men. At the time, Gideon has the exact same number of guys as the Midianites. He says, that's way too many. God says, that's way too many. So he says, what I want you to do is tell everyone who's afraid to just go home. And that's crazy. You never do that in a battle, ever, right? Like in a typical war, if you, if you run away, you get shot, right? Like they cannot have people running away because they're scared because you don't have enough guys if you do that. And he says, you know what? If you're afraid, just go home. And like a third of his guys just walk away, like 10,000 men just walk away. He's like, okay, okay. Like we are vastly outnumbered now. And God says, you've got way too many men. He says, I want you to go down to this river and I want them all, tell them all to drink from the river. And everyone who sticks their face in the water goes home. And everyone who cups the water and still looks up and drinks and laps like a dog from their hands, those are your guys. And he's like, okay, okay, let's see how this goes. 300 men stay, <laughs> not leave. 300 men stay after that. And he's still going up against 30,000 and he's got 300. And God says, that's about right. You will find that in your insecurities, he doesn't make them go away. Whatever you're afraid of, you know, we're going to go through some examples later, whatever you're afraid of, he doesn't just make it vanish. He calls you to go and go into a battle and go into a, a situation where you are woefully outnumbered, where you are, where there is no chance of you succeeding on your own. And so many times he calls his people to go in there and, and just do it without the assurance, without knowing for sure, without the control, without seeing how it's going to work out. And yet it does. And John 20, 29, you know, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, because you've seen me, you have believed but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We are blessed when we walk out on faith. You know, in, in any relationship, this is true. In, in our marriage, right? Like how much fun would it be if, she, if Crystal always, literally always had to know exactly what I was doing? If at every step of my day, I had to like send a status report to Crystal and I had to tell her every single thing that I did. That, there's no trust there's no freedom in that. And I couldn't do cool things like surprise her with something, you know, go out and buy something and surprise her with it, you know, or, or show up randomly at the house and like, and, you know, tell her to go take a break and, and take care of the kids. You know, I, I couldn't be creative in the ways that we do things in our relationship. You can't have freedom in a relationship unless there's trust. 
You know, if you always have to have the evidence, then it really hinders your relationship. And the same is true with God. You are able to do so much more when you can take some things on faith. The best thing we can do in our relationship with God is allow him to dwindle our armies down. Allow him to work in our insecurities instead of taking them away and trust him and see what he does. Um, So Crystal's got some examples of some insecurities that we deal with and some lies that they tell. Um, So our insecurities tell us lies about who we are as Christians. Being a Christian means being like Christ. So if we're allowing our own insecurities to take over instead of Christ, then we will never allow God to use us the way that Gideon did. God is all-powerful, and he created us, so we must learn to open ourselves up completely. He's just waiting to use us all and his great army to fight for all the world who don't know him. So recently I had a situation where um, one of our girls called us or called me one night, and she needed some advice on something. So I was talking with her, and I don't know, I felt like I kept repeating myself, um, I don't know. I just felt like I was just talking way too much and just giving way too much information. And Adam looked at me and he was just like, (laughs) like, that's enough. And I'm just like, okay. So I was like, all right, well, everything will be fine. And I don't know how I ended it, but, um, so then like two days later, he had to talk with the same person, um, about something else. And, I was in the kitchen washing the dishes, and I was, but I was listening to his conversation, and he just had the perfect words, like, everything flowed out of his mouth, like, like, I don't know, he was like a little mini sermon or something, like he was preaching at her or something, and it just sounded so awesome, and he just walked into the kitchen after he hung up the phone, and I just looked at him, and I'm like, really? (laughs) And I'm just like, you just have the perfect words. And I don't, like, I just babble and say all this random stuff. And he, he looked at me and he said, yeah, but do you know what she said after she got off the phone with me? She got way more out of your conversation with her than she did out of mine. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, really? Okay, that's so nice. Um, <laughs> So even in our own insecurities um, about being able to, even in my own insecurities about being able to articulate my words properly, he used me to connect better with one of our girls. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So many insecurities exist because we compare ourselves to other people. For example, I've compared myself to other ministers' wives who get up and teach these amazing lessons, and I think to myself, wow, they really have it all together. Um... One of, the, one of the women that I've compared myself to um, in the past is our minister's wife back home. Um, but I, I don't like to call her that. I like to call her my friend, trusted mentor. Um, she has recently shared with me her story about how she would let her insecurities of the fear of not meeting others' expectations hold her back. She would avoid getting into close relationships and was not able to let God use her the way he intended 
This led her to focus on the expectations of what other, of what and who ministers' wives should be instead of focusing on what God expected of her, flaws and all. So it's so important that we share our insecurities with those around us because I would have never known that Marjorie was insecure about those things if she hadn't shared them with me. Now, when you see her, she's leading women's classes. She's constantly meeting with other women at the church and giving them encouragement, advice, you know, praying with them. She leads um, a grief recovery program, program at our church and is constantly up here, like, speaking with people. Um, so that is such a cool example for me because um, when we started campus ministry seven years ago, I would have never, ever thought I would be up here right now speaking. Um, but knowing that God is by my side and that I have so many people around me encouraging me has been such a huge source of, of confidence and encouragement for my insecurities. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the most important things in, um, in overcoming insecurity is redefining the idea of safe. You know, I'm, I am driven by the word safe. I'm consumed by, you know, I always try to worry about what's safe. Um, and, and what I had to realize, and, and I got a lot of help from people realizing this, is, you know, no army in the world would consider themselves safer with 300 men than with 30,000. That makes no sense. And yet they were never more safe than when they were doing exactly what God said. That was the safest place for them to be with those small numbers. Our, our insecurities paralyze us. They convince us that we can't do what we're called to do. But the worst thing we can do, this, the most dangerous thing we can do is sit there and just say, that's who I am. You know, I'm just not that guy. I'm not that girl. I, I'm just not cut out for that. Whatever this command is in scripture, I'm just not that guy. That's the most dangerous thing we can do. And it, and it hurts us. You know, we were listening to a story um, from Francis Chan while we were preparing for this. And he was talking about, um, he had like six lessons to get done and he's frantically working. And um, so he, he runs out to his favorite restaurant and he's, he's got this um, box of uh, Chinese food that from his favorite place. And he's so excited and he sits down and he's working and he's eating and he's working and he's eating and he looks down and he said he wanted to cry because like three quarters of it was gone and he didn't remember a bite. You know, he's just so horrified. He's like, I never get to eat this and it's gone. And he's, he stopped and he said, okay, the last few bites, I'm going to enjoy these things. And so he put everything down and he just sat there and he just slowly took his bites and just, he enjoyed it so much. He's like, I'm going to make sure I enjoy this. And and that's exactly what insecurity does to us, right? When we're so afraid, we start working frantically and trying to earn it or trying to you know, find a way to make it happen on our own. And, and when we're not trusting, that's what we do. And you don't taste life. You just miss out on all. You, you work and you work and you work. And I've had semesters where I've, I haven't delegated and I haven't trusted. And I've, I've just tried to do everything myself. And I look back and I'm like, it's been three months and I didn't enjoy a minute of it. You know, I, I didn't taste any of that. And we've had people baptized and we've had people transformed and I didn't taste any of it because I was so worried about performing and getting things done. And God doesn't want that for you. You know, I, I love in Psalm 23 where he says, God makes me lie down in green pastures. And sometimes God has to make me lie down. That sounds like a pretty attractive thing, right? Like it shouldn't be a tough sell, you know, laying down in, in calm by calm waters. Um, but it is, it's hard to do. And God will help you lie down in green pastures and taste that the Lord is good. I love what David prays in the Psalms. He says, may I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it is so critical if we're going to overcome our insecurities that we just sit sometimes and taste that God is good. You know, Philippians three, seven through nine, 
says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You know, he, he comes through for us and, and worry tries to take the, the, the taste, the flavor out of everything. And God wants better for us than that. He has great dreams for you. And they can only be fulfilled if we find our security in him. And that takes us to Gideon's final step in his transformation to freedom. Um, Believing lies places us in bondage, but the truth has the power to set us free. The enemy is constantly coming at us with his lies, so we must constantly be diving into God's word to combat Satan's lies. Just knowing the truth is not enough, though. We must surrender to it. That means we must be willing to change our thinking and our lifestyle if it does not match what God's word has to say. John 8, 31 through 32 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I asked our students in our ministry if they would write down some of their insecurities um, so that we can um, take a look at what God's truth um, has to say in response. Um, Several people said that they were insecure about their weight, their physical appearance, etc. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Um, The second thing was, um, somebody said they were insecure about being able to follow through on their dreams. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, And the last one that I wrote down was, um, people were insecure about about letting people down. Ephesians 6, 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So are you going to believe your own insecurities and your doubts, or are you going to believe what God's word has to say about it? The more that we spend time with him and doing his work, soaking in his presence, the more security we will have in our identity as God's precious child. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You know, when we, when we take steps to trust God's promises, when we, when we go out and we do the things that we're afraid to do that God has called us to, we really are able to express ourselves in ways. When you, when you feel that, that initial realization, when you get up and you do the hard thing and, and you, you talk to the person you're afraid to talk to or you, um, you share when you're afraid to share and, and it works and God carries you. And maybe it didn't look the way you wanted to. Maybe you, know, you floundered or you struggled, but God does carry you through and you make it. When you feel that security, when you feel that, that freedom, you're able to express yourself in ways that you never could before. You know, and we were reading a book, there's an awesome book called A Million Ways to Die. And he, he shares, he says, but the things that shield us from face-to-face contact with others, you know, that we're afraid of also veil us from face-to-face contact with Christ. You know, you've got this veil in front of you that gets lifted when we trust him. And, um, you know, Gideon, you see Gideon be able to be so creative now that he's confident. Before, you know, you get a guy who's hiding in the wine press because he didn't even want to be seen by these enemies. And now he takes his 300 men and he surrounds the 30,000 enemies and he's like, we've got him right where we want him. And that's so cool. Like, I love the security and the way he's able to express himself. And so what he does, he hands all 300, 300 of his men a trumpet. He says, we're going to beat these guys with trumpets. 
And so what would typically happen is in an army, every division would have a guy with a trumpet and he would like announce they were coming and, and signal the, the charge and all that. And so Gideon ends 300 men trumpets and surrounds them and lights all these fires and they blow the trumpets in the army underneath, which is this mishmash of all these different enemies um, that are come together to attack the Israelites, come to the only conclusion you could come. There are 300 divisions surrounding us. Right? There are 300 <laughs> divisions of enemies around us, and they start attacking each other. Like God sends the Spirit, and they just start hacking each other to death because they're so afraid of these 300 divisions of guys who are about to descend on them. And, and it's such a cool and creative way to take care of it. And that works the way with anything. You know, if I, you know, I played basketball growing up. I love basketball. You know, when you're first learning to dribble, right, like that, is, that completely occupies your focus. And you are, you know, you're insecure about losing control. And so all you can do is stare straight down and do this. You know, and somebody who's played for more than an hour, you know, is going to come and take it from you and, you know, take it the other way. But once you get that down, once that's second nature, then you're looking around, then you're finding teammates, then you're able to help people, right? And it's with anything. You know, when you're a musician, you're learning your scales, right? It's all you can do to just hit the notes. Once you've got that down, then you can create some beautiful works of art, right? And anything, once, when you master something, when you find security in something, your creativity really shines through. You know, I never considered myself a creative person. That's not something I considered a strength, but God has found ways for me to express myself in ministry once I got more secure in him, once I trusted him in some things and, and went through the awkward phases and, and did the things that I was afraid of and stumbled through it and I realized he really is with me, then I was able to express myself in ways that I, I never thought I'd be able to. Um, you know, Job eleven thirteen through 15 says, if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free from fault, you will lift up your face. You will stand firm and without fear. You know, Gideon prepared the ground. He, he took the step. He surrounded the enemy, even though he was outnumbered, even though he was insecure. And God carried the day. God won the victory. And how cool that, God, that Gideon, for the rest of his life, could look back and say, God and I did a thing in that moment. God and I did some work. And that's what I love. I love going out and, and jumping off and not knowing how I'm going to land and not knowing how it's going to work out. And then looking back and saying, God and I did a thing in that moment. And it was better than anything I could have accomplished on my own. Um, Chris, I'll leave it to you to start to wrap it up. So it's one thing to know about who we are in Christ, but we have to let our knowledge become ingrained to our core. It will be life-changing transformation about how we live and think about ourselves. The only way to do this is to work alongside God. So I've had two examples um, where I have said no to God. <laughs> and the first one was, um, I guess it was right before we got married, you were talking about um, wanting to go into ministry, which means we would have to move to Arkansas so you could go to school and get your degree. Um, and I said no. We're not moving to Arkansas. Why would you take me 16 hours away from my family to Arkansas? Like, what's even there? I don't... Sorry if you're from Arkansas. Sorry, but that's what I thought. I live near the beach, so... Um, but... And then the other time was... And I don't think I was as verbal with this one, but anytime we would come to retreats like this, um, in my own... Um, we, had a, we had an event this past um, Halloween where we did pumpkin carving on campus and we had over 200 people there and um, it was just so many people and I was really excited about it but I was also feeling kind of like 
why am I here? Like, I have three kids. I have the dog who we just got, and I didn't even know, like, what he liked to do, and he was, like, dragging me all over the place. And I just just felt like I just had no purpose even being there. I should have just stayed home. And then I look over, and our daughter Kaylee is singing, Jesus Loves Me, to, like, five girls. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, God, like, I, I, can, I can do this. And I um, just went up with her and we started talking to people and had some really good conversations with a few of the girls there and got their contact information and stuff but I just I was ready to just get out of there um but Kaylee the sweet girl that she is um showed me another way and um so we have to be willing to set aside our fears and move even when we don't have visible proof Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not, be, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Right on. Um, you know, we have a tendency to, to look at ourselves and, and to see the lack and to see the, all the ways that we can't measure up, see all the things we can't do. You know, we, um, it was hard. We, uh, we have this couple that we've been trying to bring around. We met them at a VBS and... Um, our kids became friends and, and we've been talking with them and sharing with them. And I did a Bible study with the husband and, and we got really close and then they just disappeared. We got to the baptism study and, and they just vanished. And, uh, and so we, we finally got back a hold of them. We had dinner with them and we're like, man, what happened? And they said, well, you, you know, you keep talking about all these things that God calls us to do. And, and we just don't want to do that. Like we don't feel up for that. And I, I see them now and I just see what they could become and I see what they could have and, um, and, and how isolated they are now. And, and God is just waiting to bless us. And, and look, we may not look all that impressive in our eyes, but Gideon didn't look all that impressive either, right? When Gideon was hiding, he didn't look that impressive either. And he struggled with insecurity and fear and doubt, but he found freedom. And he found a way to be creative and to express himself in ways he never imagined and to win victories he never thought he could win. And, you know, 1 Corinthians one twenty six says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. You know, Gideon wasn't perfect, but he was committed. And in, in 2 Chronicles, I love this. We, we heard this when we were researching. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord... Lord... The eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are committed to him. God is looking. He's scanning the earth. He's going all around the world just trying to find some people that are committed to him so he can do a work in them. So he can win a victory in them. That's all he asks. You know, he's looking for the one that he can trust in, that trusts in him. He's looking for you to be that person. He's looking for me to be that person. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to be, you know, slick with your words or, or overly confident or anything like that. He needs you to be clean and he needs you to be empty. I hope you guys are blessed. I hope uh, you learn from it and, uh, and grow in God. Be blessed.